Just going up on stage. Yep. Be, I mean, there are a lot of times, like, I like a lot of the people in Omaha right now, and I like a lot yeah. of people that I meet from out of town. Um, so I don't really care too much right. about, like, I don't know, people's drama and stuff. If it, like, gets a little too close to me, that's when I'm like, eh, okay, I'll step off. Because I've made the mistake of not stepping off. And I, I think more and more people are definitely having fun now i yeah. mean that's gonna stop when those oeaa nominations come out but because every year are we going by are the we way? going are we live oh shit no which by the way no we're not live we're i mean <laughs> you know what <laughs> I, I don't know i'm, I'm fine with yeah, yeah oh, okay oh good god <laughs> I, I probably should have looked over at that giant red record button that's right there on the we've done book. Two, three. This is the fourth or fifth one, and he's always been able to press the button, and I don't know he's pressing the button. Honestly, I like that better. It's fun. It's, it's a rolling it's, start. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd rather a rolling start than a cold start where you have to like introduce who I am. You mean like and, uh, this is Running the Light, a uh, show where we talk about the comedy scene in Omaha, Nebraska, and across this nation, and we analyze and dissect uh, comedy albums and books and specials. And this is I'm Jeremy Plum, and this is uh, David Kalsgard. Like <laughs> yeah, that? like that, like that, exactly good. like that. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking smooth. Yeah, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Every time those OEAA award nominations come out, it bothers me just how upset people get. It's like, I don't know. I think uh, Cameron Logsdon, our our friend, yeah. he said it best this past time around. He's like, if you're just going to complain about who's nominated, just go nominate yourself. That way. It's like Christmas. It gets closer every year, and I forget. <laughs> I have nothing to bring you guys except for optimism and like, like a good thumbs up. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's, I just, you know, anytime an award is brought into place with comedy, whether it be a comedy competition or like the Omaha Entertainment Arts Awards, people always get bitter about who wins. I remember people always getting so bitter about how, like who would win the Clash of the Comics or who would win yeah. an OK Party Battle Royale and stuff. And it's yeah. like- Anything that's like that is like comedy shouldn't be about like uh, a winning thing. Do you remember this was like what five years ago, maybe ten years ago now, when Comedy Central hosted the Comedy Awards as like a straight lace? We want to do an awards for comedy, <laughs> mm-hmm. and no one fucking took it seriously. No, which you you can't have like a straight laced normal like an actual pomp and circumstance awards show like the Oscars for comedy. No, because We're- that's not what comedy is like we're not important <laughs> none of us are important i understand bands because they get up and practice mm-hmm. sober and music hits people and people have an emotional connection to music very few people have an emotional connection to comedy i would say i have somewhat of an emotional connection to comedy like there are some comedians where they'll tell a joke and i was like oh that was amazing or like if i watch any comedian who does like a one man uh play slash comedy picture hold on one second you're, you're forgetting one part about this equation though um you forgot to say local comedy oh local comedy. yeah, yeah no, no no like actual comedy um real yeah like like if i'm watching a mike Birbiglia a one-man play like uh my girlfriend's boyfriend where he tells a very touching moving story or sleepwalk with me or uh chris gethard's uh career suicide which, yeah have you watched that yet no it's on the list oh i've definitely it's on the list just uh yeah, I'm not going to give away too much, but yeah. just watch it when you can. It's, very, it's a very good, very good special. The, um, the first like special I want to watch, or the one I'm actively looking for, is a DVD of the aristocrat joke <laughs> of the documentary about different comics saying the aristocrat joke. Um, I just fucking want to watch that more than anything else right now. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, I love that joke. I mean... Dude. I know Gilbert Godfrey has his whole yes. things in the past, but after it was like the first Comedy Central roast, it was like right after 9-11, Gilbert Godfrey goes on Comedy Central and he does the aristocrat joke, which I don't think they air that now whenever they re-air no, that roast. No, And everybody in the place just loses their goddamn <sighs> mind at it. It's <laughs> fantastic. I don't know. It was just one of those things where, 
No one can do that joke better. No, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think there's a comic. Maybe Jezelneck can maybe maybe do like a, a second rate version of that joke. But there's no comic alive today that can perform a joke like that. A man, a tra a, a talent agent is sitting in his office. A family walks in. Man, woman, their two kids and their little dog. That talent agent goes, what kind of an act do you do? The father starts fucking his wife. The wife starts jerking off the son. The son starts going down on the sister. The sister starts fingering the dog's asshole. Then the son starts blowing his father. You want me to start at the beginning? <laughs> if you missed any portion, I'll repeat it. Then starts licking out the father's asshole. Then the father shits on the floor. The mother shits on the floor. The dog pisses and shits on the floor. They all jump down into the shit and piss and come. And they start fucking and sucking each other. And then they take a bow. And the talent agent says, I'll wait till you're ready. They might have to clean this up for TV. Where was I? Oh, yes. The son is licking out his father's asshole. They fucking suck each other and they take a bow. And the talent agent... Did you miss any portion of this? The talent agent says, well, that's an interesting act, which is kind of an understatement. I hate to end this on a really sentimental note. He says, now, what do you call yourself? And they go, the aristocrats. <laughs> I will die on this hill. I think Gilbert Godfrey added something to that in his is disgusting premise. Is uh, there premise. any hill that you don't want to die on? <laughs> because I mean, we, I want to die on Flatland. So <laughs> we we were talking we were talking off mic, and at least three times before yes. this, you were like, "I'll die on this hill. I'll Be die on this. Hill. I'll I'm die." I'm very on this. opinionated it, it about just, dumb things. It sounds like you want to die. That's what it sounds you like. You saw my set. It's it's a yeah, very common true. theme, that's true. right? <laughs> Some comics talk about food. Some comics comics talk about family. I want to die. I know that's my niche, and I found it. But um, what did you do this week? Anything like exciting? Did you watch any shows or oh, well, do anything dumb and shitty? Well, on uh Monday, I'm not sure when this is coming out, but on Monday, uh, June 10th, I recorded uh, a set of stand up for the Public Access Channel here in Omaha, KPAO. It's a fun uh, show. Yeah. Booked by uh, Margie Sturgeon. I said yeah. that last name right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Says Mar the producer. Yeah. Mar Margie's also the producer of this show. So <laughs> I, f I really should have made sure I was going to get that name right before just going at That's it. That's why but. I've never said it. <laughs> I have made, I made it very clear to set myself in circumstances where I never have to say her last name. Like very casual situations. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying very you try very hard to get on first name basis with mm -hmm. people so you don't yep. have to guess at the last name I or, get it. or your last name is now your new nickname yeah that yeah that happened to me like pretty much all throughout yeah uh, Kalsgard. yeah yeah uh i don't know which by the way david is so much easier to say than Kalsgard, but everybody i think they were just so happy that they were able to figure it, it out finally well i think it's because we're twins like i've been called plum oh, for yeah. years because mm -hmm. like uh, I don't know which one you're plum get, get over here it's like all right yeah we're the plum brothers yeah because uh, they're not sure if they're talking to Jacob or Jeremy yep it's like fuck it yeah same thing with my I mean you and your twin have a different thing because you're identical twins yes yeah my, me and my brother are fraternal twins he's always been like four inches taller than me and uh like 20 to 40 pounds bigger and I don't mean like fatter I mean like muscle very muscular yeah. I'm a very like I, I, I've always been just kind of a smaller guy. That's, that's, that's revelatory. It's like, this is a smaller man than I, uh, than someone that's standing next to him. And this is coming from me. Very small man. Yeah. I, I am not, a, I'm not a big man whatsoever. No. No. Um, but you can kick a ball. Yes. Yes, I can. And I could throw one and, uh, but that's pretty much the extent. Yeah. Of how, how was the recording? How was the show? Oh, the record, the recording went Great. It yeah. was, uh, it was nervous going in because oh, I'm yeah. always nervous whenever, like whenever somebody's like, Oh yeah, we're going to record you. And then we're going to go put it somewhere, whether it's public access or I recorded a thing a couple of years ago for, uh, the WOWT, like, yeah. like Omaha live back, when, <laughs> yeah. back when that was, was still a show. They, they would feature stand up comedians on their show. 
And so I would always get nervous right. about that because, or yeah, it's just one of those things. It's like, oh man. So more than just the people in this room are going to see it and it's going to be on the internet where people are going to judge me. Oof. And I don't know. As soon as I block that stuff out of my mind, I'm usually pretty good. Problem but. is when I did, I couldn't block it out because I was, uh, I was focusing on time. Like that's mm. the thing I, like I find something and I obsess about it, uh, which is the obsessive part of OCD. Uh, and oh, you have OCD? I do have OCD for about, oh. since I was eight. It's almost like you don't have five minutes of jokes about that or something. I, do, I have like, <laughs> I have like one joke on it. Um, but which by the way, you should been do a little to, bit more. I'm trying to find a way to make it, like panic attacks aren't funny. They are, but not to me. And yeah. well, I don't like that's. I, don't know, I think you have that's the job of the comedian it is. is eventually is you'll find a way to try to make that funny. Like there are a lot of things, uh, either in my own personal life or a lot of stuff that I'm like I don't think I can make that funny. I don't think I can make that funny. Well, eventually, if you're going to end up talking about you a lot on stage, then you have to make it funny. Yeah. Well, either you'll find a way to make it funny, or you don't need to talk about it. Like, that's fine. But I think you'll find a way to make OCD funny because it's a, it's one of those diseases that have been maligned yeah, in a sense or like over, like everybody's like, oh, I have OCD. I have OCD. No, you don't. No, no, you don't. You're you, clean. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't go to like confession every day because you thought you were a bad person and no one wants to go to confession. No, no. You went every day when you were almost up, every or? day, like once a week, twice a week. Jeez. Yeah. yeah wow. I don't, I, I know Catholics now who I don't think they've gone to confession since like 2010. When so. you asked me how much, I would say, I think today's Thursday, meaning uh, about three days ago. That was my thing for mm -hmm. a while because I lived next to a church. My church was enabling me. I was keeping the doors open. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I remember doing that show and I was nervous about time because I wrote a good four minutes of just, I didn't want to do jokes like, oh, this is on the fence, depending on the crowd. I want to do the best jokes. Mm. And just like, this is it. And then I realized I have four minutes of this eight minute show. Fuck. Mm. So I ended up doing some couple of jokes and then I found on accident, sometimes a theme pops up in your set. Mine was accidentally, everything had a sex tinge to it. Mm. Uh, and that crowd was an older crowd. <laughs> and they were not on board after a few minutes. Um, the show ended up, the, the set ended up turning out really good, but I was in my head thinking they weren't laughing at everything at all the time. I'm terrible. And then I had to go do the interview. Oh yeah. We didn't, we didn't do the interview segment for ours. Oh. We, I think, I'm not sure if they cut that or if that's something that's coming down the pipe or <laughs> the interview section was actually my favorite part of the show. And I'm not saying the show was bad. I just liked the interview part. Cause the questions of like, why are you doing it? Who's your idols? Like little stuff like that. I was like, Oh, it's just fun. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all of you. And, um, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> anything else this week? I haven't done it. Haven't done it yet. Uh, I'm at the comedy loft Friday and Saturday. Nice. Which, uh, That's a fun show. I, I like that venue. It's a fun venue. Yeah. It's a uh, drill. Nice. The only thing that I wish that they would do differently there is I wish they would put the curtains all the way around the room. Cause yeah, when you're, when you're the MC of the seven thirty show and the room is still like fully lit up because the sun hasn't gone down yet. It yeah. can, I don't know. It's a different feeling. Like I'm used to, only being able to see like the first three, four rows. But seeing everyone, it's weird. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's still fine. There's still good shows, yeah. but it's just a little like, hmm, this is a weird time for this to be happening. It's, I remember doing their open mic and their open mic, you had to like, they had to kick people out because it was filled. And that's a fun, once that room is popping, that room is fun. Oh like, yeah. It's just people want to laugh. It's, they're into it. And normally you don't get that open mics. You get like three people who yeah. were drinking and I guess there's open mic tonight. Yeah. When you have an open mic at a comedy club, like people will still come out and watch it yep. and that makes it, that makes it fun. Um, and more of a learning experience. How do you mean? Okay. So <laughs> there, let's pretend there's two different bars. Let's call it Fike and Follies. And <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. And if I can follow his great open mic, it's consistent. The mm. guy who's host, sweet guy, nicest guy you'll ever meet. Yeah. There are three regulars. 
who have been there for years and have seen this open mic for years, but every year, every week, they act annoyed and surprised that there is an open mic on this Monday. (laughs) And they do not look at you. And I say my jokes and I get nothing. Could be a shit joke. Could be a great joke. Mm -hmm. Then you go to the comedy loft. Let's call it the comedy loft. (laughs) And and I'm not familiar with this venue. (laughs) It's... It's like it's up. Are, are you talking about the comedy soft okay. and Utican? I am talking about. Co- it smells of ice cream and popcorn. It's kind of childlike. It's it's really nice. I like it there. Um, but people are there. You can then tell. Okay, like uh, about a third of people laughed here. People kind of didn't get here. So I know where to pick up on a more subtle mm-hmm. detail, more than just binary good bad joke. Okay, I understand that. It's kind of like when. If you're ever in Omaha on Tuesday, there's an open mic at the Backline Comedy Theater on 17th and Harney, which is a good open mic. Mm -hmm. And when there's people, like people actually will come and watch the open mic and you get a better judgment of your jokes there as opposed to what you would get from an open mic where there's four people in the audience or just a room full of comedians. And you can judge like, okay, they laughed a lot here. They didn't laugh so much at this. Do I want to keep this part of the joke? Or is that was, was it just a soft reaction to that joke because it was coming off of this other mm-hmm. joke that got a harder reaction? Should I switch those two jokes because this one's getting the bigger laugh? You can actually dissect your joke a little bit right. better and figure out you get closer to the final product that way. And the more, the more you've been doing it, like I've done shows of just like 10 people and soft laughter. You listen to the comics before you go, okay, this joke I've always known goes really well. They're laughing at this. And this is what loud laughter sounds like. It sounds kind of mousy. You got to scale it. Yeah. You got to scale it. And I think big rooms are great, especially when you're newer. It's like, okay, Hey, this room's hot and you did not make them hot. So Mm -hmm. see where you can fix it. Yeah. That's, that's always a good gauge, especially when you're a newer comic is when you first get put in front of a room full of people for the first time Yep, and you realize, oh, so it wasn't me just assuring myself that this is an open mic and people don't laugh at open mics. It's me. It's me not being a good joke writer just yet. And then you learn how to be a good joke writer yeah. eventually and you figure it out. Um. This week for me, I haven't had much in terms of shows um, this week. I ended up watching, and I've been meaning to talk about it for a couple of weeks, so I rewatched it, uh, The Bash Brothers Experience by The Lonely Island. Okay, great. <laughs> so I love The Lonely Island, and Popstar is one of my favorite like theatrical comedies in many years because it's not just a camera and people improving. It is a written comedy. Mm-hmm. The camera tells the jokes, the script tells the jokes, the actor tells jokes. It's a mesh. I love it. Um, but this one is about, you know, sports. Yes, I do. So Jose Cinco and Jose Canseco. And, and I don't remember what the name of the Bash Brothers are now. Cause that's just what it was. It was about Mark, Mark McGuire, Mark McGuire. Yeah. Uh, Back when they played for the Oakland athletics. Yeah, exactly. During the Oakland athletics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were, they said in the eighties, they had a experimental rap album. And it's just them doing an experimental <laughs> rap album. Oh my, I knew about the, this. I forgot about. For the style of uh, Beyonce's Lemonade. And here's the thing. I've never seen Lemonade. And as you can clearly tell, I'm not a sports guy. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking loved it. It's amazing. The camera work is great. But not only that, like all the songs are just top notch and the thing about the thing that I really like about Lonely Island, it's always been about Lonely Island, is they take the idea of fragile masculinity, hyperextend it, and then break it down. Mm-hmm. And I think there's no better subject than two roided out baseball players at the height of their fame doing a rap album. She said she want to fuck me with my uniform on. She grabbed me by the back. Now it's going, going gone. I never finished sex because I'm so juiced out. But she nutted three times and we bashed in a bounce. I reside in Black Hawk in a big fucking house. My community is gated because I don't strike out. Got a room with a chair. Got a room with a couch. Got a framed photograph of the time I met. You know I'm not a hamburger, but they call me Big Mac. Got the one ton Jimmy and the itty bitty. My ball shrinky dinky got the Roy. 
And I know none of these names. I don't get any of these references, but I'm having fun. And mm. parody isn't dead. I think that's, that's what I reminded of. It's like, oh man, this is a parody where I don't understand anything, but I'm still laughing. Yeah. And I, I, that's why I loved it. It's always impressive to me when somebody can write something or do something that breaks, I'm going to say, an individual's cultural understanding. Like, you don't know sports. No, but clearly. You're able to laugh really hard at the fact that, oh, uh, Jose Canseco <laughs> and Mark McGuire <laughs> made a rap album. And it's great. <laughs> I don't know. That's one of the other things in comedy that I like a lot is like, I know a lot of people, especially like alt scenes where they will be making references to movies that I have heard of in passing or I haven't heard of at all, but they will still make a joke where they reference that movie and it'll be relatable enough for me to still understand and laugh. And anytime that somebody can do that, I'm like, that's, that's good comedy right there because it's not divisive. It brings people together, if anything. Yeah. You and I have a friend in, who does open mics who will make references to like 13th century history. Uh, <laughs> are we talking about Sean Flaherty? We are. And he's so funny. <laughs> I, I, I love, love Sean. Sean. Sean's Facebook is one of the few reasons I even go on Facebook now. It's like, this is just, <laughs> this is charming. This is fun. He is a delight of a person. So nice. On and off stage. But just the the way he writes jokes and the way he works in historical references that you would only get if you had a master's degree in history or a comic book reference <laughs> that you would only get if you never left your parents' basement. Those are the most pro ones for me. I enjoy those <laughs> the most. <laughs> he does it in a way where I've never heard of this comic book character. I know little to nothing about the Peloponnesian Wars, but he will still write a joke (laughs) that I'm like, okay, okay, that's funny. And now I have a, I have something to Google when I get home. Uh, It's, it's like an inside joke between him and himself. And then we're in on it and it's fun. It's just like, (laughs) yay, I'm happy for like five minutes. I'm happy. It's nice. I love it. Um, but that's basically that and watching like a, a lot amount of like a huge amount of this is not happening. Oh, yeah. I forgot like how much I enjoy like we used to host a storyteller show uh, for like a minute. Yeah, for a minute. It, I was on one of them. Yeah, it was uh, it was on the Tuesday night shows at the back <laughs> line and it. Uh, Died yeah, like it, every other Tuesday night show at the back line. Oh, their Tuesday night shows now are f- they're good because they're, they're right because it's fast and fresh right before yeah. the open mic. It's a uh, yeah. I was trying to do a storyteller show and yeah. it. Uh, I mean, we we also started the show like right in the heart of the winter months. That's true. Not That's a ton. Not of, good. Yeah, not a ton no. of people are coming out on Tuesdays. Yeah, in the to winter listen, to in listen, Nebraska to listen to three awkward guys talk about sex. Yeah. Or drugs, drugs or whatever the topic was. Yeah, mine particular. was sex. That's why I. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised you brought me up for that one. I'm not. No. I knew exactly what I was doing. That was fair. No, that's, yeah. Because I'm just looking at you. I know if anybody has had an awkward sexual encounter, it's Jeremy Plum. <laughs> what's what's a virgin sex story? Jeremy Plum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no. But uh, no, I love that uh, this is not happening show because it's, I like that format. I like the storyteller format. It's fun. It's intimate. It, yeah, and it's not. There's not so much pressure on being funny. Well, I mean, there's still pressure on being funny because you're a comedian. You always right. want to be funny, but you don't have to. Like, you can be a little bit more honest. Yes, in a storyteller format than you can when you're telling regular jokes because you can still be honest when you're telling jokes. But at the end of the day, they're still jokes. The aim is yeah. to make people laugh and make people enjoy you as a mm-hmm. comedian. And you're when you're telling the story, you, know, you can tread into a darker subject matter yeah. with that you would normally lose. I did a storyteller show up in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota on the snow jam comedy festival mm-hmm. one year. And the story I told was about how I yelled at a red cross telemarketer. And then the, after the next time I gave blood, I got a letter in the mail saying that I, my blood had failed the HIV AIDS screening. I remember the and story. Yeah. It, it ends up coming back that I'm negative, but that's a, that's a story. And that's kind of a funny situation that 
I wish I could tell more in stand up, yep. but the story is really long to fully understand what happened. Like it, it's one of those things where if you bring, bring it up in a room of people, some people might not right. like that. They might shut off uh, because you're, when you're at a comedy show and somebody brings up HIV AIDS, you assume that they're about to make fun of HIV AIDS. And that's not at all what no. I do in that joke, but at a storyteller show, the goalposts shift and you can be a little more open, honest yeah. and uh, you know, go into darker spaces where yeah. you would normally lose a crowd at a comedy club or at a comedy show. But here it's totally fine. Do it's it. totally safe. And you can still make jokes about it. By the way, the premise of your story is the only type of story I can think of where you have to say the ending of the story as well. It's like, I uh, was positive for, I, I failed negative for HIV AIDS. I found out later I do not have HIV AIDS. Yeah. 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 I, like even when I give a synopsis, I have, I throw in that last part. <laughs> yeah. It's like it was, it's one of those things, it's false, false, but yeah. This is one of the, this won't be one of those sad podcasts. No, 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 no. no. We're... I know the story I would always want to do is I want to do the arrested story. The arrested story. Like the story where I got arrested. Yeah. Um, Cause you've been it, trying to get that to work on trying. stage for a while, but it just is, it's, it's one of those stories where you're going to be playing around with that one for a while. It's going to be that. So, and I was in an all white production of the Wiz. Like both of those are like, mm, these are ideas. I think the all white production of the Wiz one is going to come before the arrested oh, one. Yes. Does. Cause one of them is funny and it's one sentence. Whereas the arrested story is like, one thing I keep hearing in my head is like, no one wants to hear about the time people asked you if you're a comedian and to tell you a joke. It's like, no, no, no. What's funny about that is I'm in a cop car mm-hmm. being arrested and some guy is asking me questions about doing comedy and then processing me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those where eventually you will find the beats. Right. Like to make it that work as a joke joke, there's probably some stuff that you're going to have to cut, lie, cut, maybe an embellishment. Right. And uh, eventually you'll find what the joke is. Awesome. So yeah, I think it's not time to jump in after talking for way too long. I think <laughs> it was a good conversation. It was, so it I, was. Yeah. But Jeremy, this podcast is only an hour. Like all of your other podcasts, <laughs> it's only an hour, but we're going to talk about Gary Goldman's uh, it's about time. Yes. And Gary Coleman is someone I knew. Gary Goldman was someone I only knew through Twitter. Mm-hmm. Because of, I think it's you who told me about it, his Twitter feed and his advice. Yeah. If you are a comedian right now and for some reason you haven't heard about this or you aren't doing, follow Gary Goldman on Twitter, enable notifications for whenever he tweets. He has been tweeting out writing jo- uh, writing tips. Yep. For even performance tips is what I've been also yeah, saying, man. R- yeah. Writing tips, performance tips, uh, just all sites sorts of tips to make you a better comedian since the beginning of the year. Yeah. He's up to, I think 165. I just read it before you I came in. Yep. 165 as of right now. So you got a lot of catching up to do. Uh, and before 15, it's very hard to find. Really? It's the thread stops at fi- number 15. And so uh, they're, they're harder to find, but all of them are worthwhile. They're all very good. I've used some of them and I felt like I've become a slightly better comedian. Yeah. I've, uh, I've been using his writing tips since the start of the year. Yeah. And I feel like lately I've been writing some of the best material that I've ever written. I feel like my performance has been better because there was one that stuck in my head. and I was like, oh man, I'm really guilty of this. Stop saying, how are we doing tonight? Oh yeah. Cause you have a That's, five minute say. That's a minute gone. Yeah. Or, well, I mean, not necessarily a, a minute, minute like, but like 30. Like, like if you do the whole thing where it's like, how are we doing to the night? Give one more free- time for your host. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, you, throw it you, away. When you have five minutes, especially since stage time is so valuable anywhere you are, whether you're in New York where you have two minutes on a mic, and then you're going to try to go do. Uh, Jeremy is chewing ice because of a wisdom tooth thing. So everything, if you hear that noise in the background, that's him. It, everything hurts inside, and I'm dying. But I am. <laughs> but I'm a professional till the end. But yeah, the. Uh, Stage time's just so valuable, mm-hmm. whether you're in New York where you're doing two minutes at an open mic and then you're going to try to go do another two minutes at an open mic and then another two minutes at an open mic. Or if you're in Omaha where you get through four to five, four to five open mics a week. Oh, I meant time. And, you get four minutes to five minutes. No, you well, that too. Four to 15. 
Yeah, depending on what open mic you go to, it is very valuable. So why are you throwing away time saying, you know, give it up for your host or give it up for whatever? I'll still do that from time to time. That's only if I'm on a show yeah. and doing a longer set where the time isn't as important. important. I mean, and honestly, that that tip in and of itself is perfectly exemplified in the opening of his album it's yep. about time because he just says a quick thank you and then starts let me just start off with what i ate today <laughs> my, my favorite item was was the greek yogurt you can't, i've never not enjoyed my greek yogurt experience it's just perfect. I've, I've added it to my list of can I get you anything? <laughs> I have. Coffee, tea, Chobani. <laughs> Which is one thing that I love seeing any comedian set, especially on a special, because starting a comedy show is just always so awkward especially yeah. when you're the headliner when you're going to be up there the longest you're like i'm about to talk to you guys for anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour and you all paid to watch me talk to you. this is weird it, like i said before it does not form in nature this is this doesn't exist yeah and I, I just think the opening itself already there is beautiful because it just starts by saying well let's talk about what i ate today yeah and it's the theme that I remember about this is I first I thought it was like an observational style of comedy with the telephone and the food. And it's like, no, it's a storyteller thing, but no word is wasted. It's everything is lovely crafted. Everything is put in for a reason. There's not a wasted word. Mm -hmm. I would have a hard time finding, like if I had to go through and try to edit it down I don't. for anything, I don't think I could find something. No, I mean, maybe you cut out the jokes that aren't stories, but then why would you? You're you're losing the yo play joke. You're losing the beginning of the set is basically what you're losing. Well, I mean, and that's the wonderful thing that I like about Gary Goldman's style, and I have ever since I was a kid and I saw him on the first, on seasons two uh, and season three of Last Comic Standing. Wow. He, uh, yeah, he was, our, he was the one we cheered for in our household. He... He ended up finishing third season two, and I think he finished like fifth and fifth in season three. Um, he has this wonderful thing where he can flip back and forth between an observation, and then there are other jokes where he will create essentially a scene mm -hmm. and is putting on what appears to be a one-man play almost, playing multiple characters, but in the midst of that, there are also the observations as well. Yes. And that's one thing that I've, I don't know, I always love a good observational comedian. Like, there is a lot of bad observational because, comedians. Like, I actually don't like observational. We watched Ellen not too long ago. Ellen's new special. Yeah. Uh, and I liked it in the technical standpoints. Like, this, there's some takeaways. There's, it's well written. I don't like observational humor. Like it just, it always felt a bit too blanket statement-y. It felt too wide. Mm -hmm. It felt, didn't feel personal. But this feels incredibly personal where I sometimes forget when listening to the jokes, I forget that there is an audience. Mm -hmm. I'm just encapsulated in this story. And I even told you before this, I, for some reason thought those documentaries were real and it's <laughs> dumb that I thought that it's just a setup to some really clever jokes. Mm -hmm. That's one beautiful thing that he does. He essentially is creating a world and then you're living in it. Yep. One thing that I have always thought whenever I've watched this comedy is like somebody could like draw a cartoon about some of the things he's talking about. Like when he's talking about the state abbreviations, which is a fucking masterpiece of a joke. So the preface is this, it's a movie about the men and one woman who abbreviated all 50 states down to two letters. If you're too young or you don't remember, there was a time in this country where every state had its own abbreviation. It was chaos. Massachusetts was M-A-S-S period. New York was N-Y, but like Utah was Utah. <laughs> they just dropped the H. <laughs> but then in like 1973, the post office said, no, this, 
This can't be anymore. We need uniformity. Every state must have a two capital letter abbreviation. So they brought together a crack squad of abbreviators. <laughs> they assembled a ragtag outfit of rogues, misfits, and ne'er-do-wells. How often do well? Ne'er. Oh no, ne'er. They ne'er did well. And these brave men and one woman were charged with abbreviating all 50 states down to two letters. When he's talking about the state abbreviations, somebody could draw that as a cartoon and it wouldn't be too much of a challenge because he, is, he has set the scene. You can see it playing out perfectly yeah. in your head. Five guys and one girl sit Mm. and create state abbreviations. I've seen animatics as people's comedy set before, mostly Mulaney. It's almost always John Mulaney that mm. people do animatics for, but this one, it lends itself to something so visual. Yeah, and that's, it, it's one thing, depending on what your comedic style is, that you need to get really good at is creating, like getting the audience to picture what you were picturing yeah. when you're doing these scenes or act outs or something for them to be able to come back to mm -hmm. and remember when they leave the show. And I think Gary Goldman has always done an amazing job of that. And his observational humor is, I don't, you say you don't like observational don't, humor. I'm also not I don't a Seinfeld say, fan. I don't What do you think about Brian Regan? I can't say I know enough to say that I have an opinion. Maybe, maybe. I'm bad with names. Him, Gary Goldman and Brian Regan. Oh, oh. who else am I thinking of? I, I'm, I'm oh, blanking on the name. Again, indifferent. I remember him. Indifferent. Yeah. Like, it's good. It's just not my style. One of my favorite things is when somebody can take something so perfectly mundane and then extrapolate on that to a point where you're like, how? How are they? How are they? How are you thinking of that? How how is this how you see the world? And that's one of the things about observational comedians is that they are essentially giving you a different way to look at the world. Yes, and that's like when Gary Goldman opens up with a bit about yo play yogurt, an insignificant thing in our day to day world, and yet he picks it apart and he dissects it beautifully into a point where you're now you're not going to look at yo play yogurt the same. After you listen to that, people can shit on observational humor all they want, but observational humor is connective tissue in comedy yes. and life. It's just not a style I appreciate. Like, I appreciate, like, I, if I think about my favorite comedians, I always go to Sarah Silverman. I always go to Pat Oswald. Mm -hmm. I go to David Tell when I'm uh, in a very specific mood. Mm -hmm. um, it's more of taking... Um, Taking you on a journey, taking you, the listener, on a journey, which is why I love this album so much. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge Carlin fan, but I loved Class Clown because it takes you on a thesis and a journey. Mm -hmm. And this is like, I, the Yelpa stuff, like, this is really funny the, the, and clever. This is really clever. This is well written. I appreciate mm -hmm. where this is coming from. And then it gets a little bit bigger with the telephone, tells a story about his mom. It's like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm there. I can picture it. And that's what it goes. It goes from very small, observational to large story. Mm -hmm. And then he gets to the part about role play. I want you to, um, I want you to try this. It's called role playing. And it is, uh, it can really add some spice to a relationship. My favorite one, the one that I, well, I should get an award for this one. I play, uh, I'm a professor at a prestigious New England university. And my girlfriend is a senior in my history of Western civilization one. I know, why is she a senior in the intro? She gave me some bullshit about transferring in from Villanova or some other safety school. I didn't buy it either. You're in the scenario, you're in the world, you are with them. And I think this set does that perfectly. It takes an idea, goes all the way to the end, and it tells you why that's funny. Yeah, it's... You occasionally, you, not occasionally, you essentially in at least every joke outside of the yo play observation, but even within the yo play observation, it's you, a story. You, was, you get a peek into 
Gary Goleman's mind and how he sees the world. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't value in an observational comedian. But when Gary Goleman breaks it into a story mm-hmm. or a, a scene, essentially, it's a little bit more palatable for those who aren't a fan of observational humor. It's taking what's the deal with the O play and recontextualizing it and representing it to you. So you think you're eating something different, but it's, it's very much a classic, even though Seinfeld never said, what's the deal with blank. Mm. It's very much that era of style joke, but just retooled. It's like calling a roast beef sandwich, a French dip. Like, yeah, this is still just a roast beef sandwich. Jesus. (laughs) What? I didn't think about, they're the same sandwich. (laughs) Yes, Jeremy, they're the same sandwich. They're, oh. They are both a beef sandwich that was really? roasted. Oh, good God. Are you all right? No, a little bit. I mean, I'm in pain. But besides that, I'm, wow. So I could go to Arby's, order roast beef, and then get au jus sauce, and that's a French dip. Yeah, I mean, huh. it's a white trash French dip, but it's a French dip nonetheless. You, you, you didn't have to make it judgy. You made it judgy. I uh, I had to. <laughs> it's the only way we can keep you in check, Jeremy. It really oh, is. Oh, good God. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Oh, wow, that's fun. Neat. Okay, anyway, back, to the, back to the set. That's just, uh. mm. <laughs> I, I also get passionate about sandwiches, so this is... <laughs> so, th- <laughs> so there's that. You ever had a good sandwich? Like a good sandwich makes your day. It's a very small, intimate moment, and it just makes your day better. No, I get it. I feel the same way about soups. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very much a soup guy. I get I like, it. I like soups. As a kid, I thought it was dirty water, and that little voice in my head is still there. So whenever I eat soup, I go, "This is dirty water. Why am I paying? Why am I paying five dollars for dirty water? I can get dirty water at home." I never thought of it as dirty water. What I was very what dumb type hit. of soups were your mom making? Soup. It was just soup. <laughs> but I assume all soup was made with water and that you just throw stuff in the water until it gets cloudy. I also was the type of kid that thought. Here's the thing. You're not <laughs> wrong. But that is also the biggest oversimplification of soup I have ever heard. Cloudy water. Can I have the tomato? Can I have the red cloudy water? Can I have the cloudy water with bits of food in it still? Let's stop talking about soup and your eating cloudy water. Terrible opinions about soup. Let's Anyways, okay. it's it's about who you are as a person. And I think when I think about this, I think about every I talked about wasted words and I think of a bunch of newer comedians. Sometimes they're saying a word because it's offensive and well my I'm telling a story and my dad said it mm-hmm. and the word was never needed. Yeah. Or I'm kind of rambling, I'm saying some filler stuff until I get to the bit. Mhm. And basically what everyone in the audience is doing is doing what you do when you read a Garfield comic. You skip the first two panels, you go to the last panel, there's the joke, you move on. No, watch it, read a Garfield comic. It's that. No, I just, the way that uh, you blew, that I blew your mind about French dips. <laughs> I never realized that till now, but yeah, you can pretty much just skip to the last yep. thing in a Garfield comic. You didn't miss any setup or anything. You didn't. It's, and it's usually how John is sad and lonely. And and not in a relatable fun way, more in like a get the fuck off your ass, John. You're in a you're in a, you're in a grown man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to word wasting, like in Gary in this special, I don't think he I don't think he wastes no one. And the other thing that he that I love that he does, it's another thing that him Brian Regan, I think Jim Gaffigan does this a touch as well. It's something that I heard it once from somewhere, and I refer to it synonym comedy. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, he has a whole joke just about synonyms, but he does it throughout his different jokes. If you're talking about something and you're saying something over and over and over, find a different way to say it. Yep. Instead of if you're talking about your house and something that happened at your house. Switch it up. Home. My abode. My house. My abode. My domicile. My Okay, it, we the, get you went to college. English, I get it. The English language is so much fun. And that's one of the things that I've always appreciated about Gary Goldman yep. as well, is he has fun with the English language. Even in the abbreviations bit when he's talking about the ragtag group of uh 
rogues, misfits, and ne'er do wells. How often do well? Ne'er. It's like air ne'er. I I was driving and I kind of almost had to pull over. It's like this is not only is it funny, but there's a. I talked about David Tell. Mm-hmm. I was also listening to a little bit of David Tell's. Uh, I think it was Road Work. Oh, good special. It's great special. Yeah. Well, but there's a part of that where it's like, oh, I, I want to sit in this in a room because one, I can't walk around the house just blaring this. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something about it where it just feels like, oh, this feels kind of dirty. And that's the charm of it. Or we talked about the aristocrats. Like the joke is that it's disgusting. Yeah. This is more like the ne'er do wells. Like, ah, it's neat. this is cute. This is fun. I'm happy. I feel warm now. Mm-hmm. Life is happy for like a little bit. Like, this is what I love. Yeah. This and Tignataro. Like, I remembered Tignataro's. There's a there's an audience in there who's a pig. She was talking about her pajama pig, uh, pig pajama pants. And the pig came up and was like, "Hey man, I just wanted to say that the joke was great. Uh, I loved it." Anyways, a uh, pig fan, pig fan, and just walks away. <laughs> and it's so like, oh man, that just makes me happy. Yeah, I want to be happy. And you get that a lot in Gary Goldman stuff as well because he, I don't, he's one of those people who, just the way he writes, he writes so well that it will make you realize just how fun the English language can be. And those are my favorite comedians right now are the people who will find a different way to say something Mm -hmm. that, I don't know. It just is something so small and insignificant that switches how you view a word or how you address something. Right. I mean, I don't think I'm going to be calling atrocities shenanigans anytime soon, which is a a reference to this. Such a good idea yeah it is a good not to use that but in gary goldman's joke that's it was it's beautiful it's just well done the synonym comedy and the playfulness that he has with our language honestly it inspires me just alone listening to it to write better this is this is the type of comedy we've We've written this way and other people's have written this way. Everyone writes this way. You kind of write on the fly. If mm-hmm. you've seen my notes, you've seen my notes before. It is, I have, because I did speech, I did improv speech. I have the goalpost. I have, this is the idea of the joke. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the in-between how I get to that, it's like jazz. It's, it's really about the words I don't say. Um, mm-hmm. And Which... I want to hear those words because those might be the funny ones. <laughs> those might be so. the funny ones. And sometimes that works for a very small joke. It's like, yeah, but, 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 but fart. Like there, you, you, you got to, I, <laughs> I gotta say your fart bit right now, best in the game. So solid fart bit. It's top. Some would say top 10 fart bits in Omaha. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's sometimes for little things. Yes. But if you're crafting, like we talked about a story, mm-hmm. sometimes you, you gotta write a story. And writing a story means you plan out not just the beginning, middle, the end. You think about the arc. You think about the writing. You think about the character. You think about words. We've talked about, I think we've talked, there's people in, in our scene who may have been divorced and it was like, we can't do ex jokes. Like they've says like, I've tried doing jokes about my ex or being an ex. Like it just makes everyone uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I want to do a joke about hospice because I was in hospice. I think I mentioned on another podcast, uh, one of the other episodes of this podcast. You were visiting hospice, right? Right. I got yeah. better, <laughs> but no. <laughs> It was my first Monty Python reference. And that's, that's <laughs> impressive when two white men are on a podcast together. Like it's inevitable. Um, but, <laughs> but no, I, I was visiting uh, hospice and I ended up wearing a shirt promoting an old Steve Carell movie and it was blue with the yellow words. It's been nice knowing you. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Cause it's in my way, I'm using t-shirt comedy to say goodbye to a loved one, but getting there, if I don't word it correctly, if I don't know how to say it, if I had to explain what hospice is, people get sad quick. Mm-hmm. And it's this is a joke that only, I can't say I went to a dentist's office saying it's been nice knowing you. It's not funny. No one dies in a dentist anymore. No, not anymore. Yeah, not since the incident. <laughs> that was when I had to plant. I was like, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. <laughs> I'm going to use it. I, re- I remember the incident. <laughs> the, when the laughing gas exploded. <laughs> No one was laughing it, it, anymore. It, no, it, it filled the office with lethal, lethal doses <laughs> of, laughing of laughing gas. It was a tragedy. Uh, and it just happened to be the day of that school field trip. And uh, Omaha uh, has never recovered. Some would say that's when the laughter died in Omaha. And those kids. 
But all right, let's talk about the fucking album. I hate it's you. A great, <laughs> I love this. This is fun for me. Um, but anyways, you know the album. I don't like saying an album is perfect because mm-hmm. no album is perfect. Uh, but this is very close to this is a perfect album, especially within his style. Yeah, if you like Gary Goldman's style, I would say this is definitely a near perfect album. Uh, if you're not a fan of his style, you won't think it's a perfect comedy album. No. But that's because that's the shitty thing about comedy is it's subject- subjective. Yeah. In my opinion, I think this is objectively a perfect album in the sense of how he uses his words, what he chooses to talk about the, I think at least once in this album, like there are so many times he uses different joke structures that essentially sound the same because it's him telling them in the cadence that he tells them, but the structure of the joke is very different. And the pieces that he used of comedy, it's almost complete with every type of joke structure that I think you can find in comedy right yeah. now. I think the only thing he might be missing is maybe a one liner. I like a true setup punch. Oh, just the way he, that he uses pretty much every tool that he has learned in his long career of comedy that I don't think too many people truly understand just no. how long his career in comedy I has I think he's been. getting his first special soon, like during the depression store. Tour? His first special? Is that his first spe- uh no, of course these albums are specials, duh. I meant like uh yeah, no, like it's an it's not a name that's like thrown around like he's not like a Patton Oswald. He's not like a Well but he is a name that will come up when people are talking about yeah good comedians. It might take a while for somebody to think of him because they'll think of other people off the top of their head. Yeah. But honestly, I would put him right up there with any of the best comedians out there today who are working because he just has so much experience Mm -hmm. It shows in how he writes and how he chooses to write and how he chooses to perform as well. And it's, Oh, I didn't, I didn't find a dull moment in that special whenever I listen to it. And there are some times where I'm watching somebody special and it'll be good, but for like five minutes in the middle, I'll check out. I didn't check out once. No, there's not a joke. Every joke felt, didn't feel like a closer but it felt like a high point like everything mm-hmm. was a high point and it wasn't even that it was high energy like nothing was high energy everything was like pretty mellow pretty chill pretty relaxing really calming and just fun mm-hmm. and there's the thing i keep thinking about sometimes every now and then there are certain people who are never comedians and they'll say the sentence like well you know i think it's even more clever if you can tell a joke without saying something dirty and i think that's bullshit Mm-hmm. Um, because a joke is a joke and they're both hard to write. Yeah. Um, but I think And depending on who you are, like people who say writing clean is hard, writing dirty is hard. That's it, bullshit either way, depending on who you are as a person. Right. Like if you can if you're a person who really doesn't swear and really doesn't talk about sex all that much or drugs or anything, it's very easy for you to write clean because yeah. that's just who you are. And if you're a person who does drugs has sex, uh, swears a lot. Yeah. It's easy. Doesn't for go to, to church write. on Sundays. Yeah. What? A, uh, <laughs> it's easy for you to write dirty. Yeah. But if you were to try to do the opposite, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, of course it is. And like, I, f- I find it pretty hard sometimes for me to get too incredibly dirty whenever I write because I'm usually a clean writer. I'm usually in the middle. Like I, I would call myself kind of a, some of my topics are bummers, but it's never dirty. But the reason why I bring that up is this one is a good example of sometimes people think like a really good joke or a memorable joke is shocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've mentioned the idea like shocking isn't important in a lot of, uh, I think in a couple of the episodes, but this one is like the most impact. You can make an impact on, the, uh, on your audience in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that this made an impact was simply, like you said, creating a world. Like every little world is like a little dan- diorama. Mm-hmm. Uh, of just cute little figures doing cute little things, being happy. There's nothing cynical. There's nothing. There's nothing almost mean spirited. Everything is just bright eyed and just the world isn't terrible. It's weird that uh, I expected a lot of these to be kind of like a lot of the albums to bring up would just be kind of angry and cynical. But 
every album people bring up, the ones that are memorable are these like kind of happy and just positive outlook albums. Like, yeah, because when we're talking about debating between writing clean versus dirty, writing clean versus dirty, depending on who you are, that's not hard, like I said earlier. But And it's one of the things that I like about the opening, the just the very opening of this album when he's talking about, let's talk about what I ate today. My favorite part is the Greek yogurt. And then he makes jokes yeah. along the lines of something he enjoys anymore. It's so easy to write about things that you hate, things that you don't like, things that annoy you. Who cares? The ones that I think the people who are making a difference and standing out above other comedians are the people who are writing about things that they love, like that they love something that they enjoy because if you can make fun of something that you enjoy then it's just more easy it's not more easy it's easier to tell that joke because now you don't need to get into a negative headspace when you're yeah. telling a joke and i think that's one of the things that i really enjoyed just throughout not just this special but all the different specials that gary goldman he does have some jokes where he complains a little and yeah. some jokes where he talks about complaining <laughs> And those are fine, but for the most part, at least from what I could tell when I watched the special and then when I listened to the album itself, it looks like a, just a man having fun on stage. And at the end of the day, that's what I really enjoy seeing. There are some specials that you see where it doesn't look like the person is having fun and he still no. is having fun and he's writing jokes about things that he likes and he's not... Over, he's not overtly negative about anything. You were the jumpiest motherfucker. It, I was ever. There was a thud outside the door, and I I was fourteen when I like, was able to like watch fireworks without like wincing. Hmm. So this is I'm like a small dog. <laughs> I uh I get nervous. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you're, you're like a you're like a small rescue dog <laughs> who had a very <laughs> shitty owner beforehand. And like the owner that I have now isn't like shady, but they're not like they're apathetic. I'm, <laughs> I'm an indifferent owner. They just wanted a dog to impress chicks, and now they have a responsibility. How can you make things so sad? <laughs> because like when all I, the time when I say things, that's okay. That's what we talk about sadness. I think when I say sad things, to me they're not sad. It's like yeah, it's a cute image. It's kind of a funny scenario. Like I'm a kid waking up on Christmas morning, and I realize it's October, and it's fun. Uh, what part of a just horrifically broken shelter animal? <laughs> It's fun to you. Because it's like they're little, they have the big eyes, and like they're trying like the dog's trying to make it work. They're they're making it, they're doing the best they can. Like it's it's not Disney Channel level of hope, but like they're they're making it, right? It's like lifetime level of hope. <laughs> like lifetime. And but like the owner's like, hey, you did it. You're like, cool. And like it's moved on. Like, I'll feed you like twice a day. I'll make sure you get get some outside time. Like, Fuck it, whatever. Uh yeah. Okay. <sighs> Let, let's get off of your sadness Sad, real quick. But, uh, what's your, I end every this panel of the part of the podcast with saying, what's your takeaway? Like, what do you, if you had to take away and learn something, whether or not the album's funny or not, whether or not you enjoyed it, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But if you wanted to take away something from this album to be better as a comedian, what would you do? From this album yeah. to be better as a comedian? And why did you pick this album as well? Why did, why did I pick this album? Oh, I picked this album because, uh, like I said, I've been a passive fan of Gary Goleman. Mm -hmm. since whenever season two of last comic standing was, I think I was like 10 when that came out or something. It was a, it was a long time ago. No, I was like, I was, I was like 12. Like, so so like, I was 10. Yeah. So like 15 years ago, this came out when he was on last comic standing and uh, he very quickly became one of our, just like as a family, our favorite comedian. Right. Like we, we listened to his album on car rides. We listened to uh, when he got his first Netflix special uh, in this economy. Uh, we watched it as a family. <laughs> and so he's just, uh, he's always been a fairly big influence in my life. And when I saw this for the first time, it just how masterful it was with the writing yeah. content. 
uh, and the content of it. Uh, I decided to choose that. And the thing that I take away from this album is write smarter. Write like, smarter. Not just in how you write, but write smarter jokes. Don't write dumb jokes. Some of your jokes can be dumb. And dumb jokes we, can be fun. We both had dumb jokes. Yeah. And, yeah. And dumb jokes are fine. But also, write smarter. Yeah. Like, use the English language to its full extent when you're writing. Like, after I rewatched this to get ready for this podcast, I rewatched it. And I just realized I have, like, five-minute segment of jokes. Where it's a bunch of jokes. Yeah. I talk about my dog. Yep. I say my dog probably 20 times during the... And that gets tiring. It does. So I need to go back through, take the example that I'm giving from this, find different ways. Talk about your pooch? Yeah. Yeah. My pupper. Pupper? Your porker? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That that one sounded a little sexual, so I'm not going to use that one. Nothing about dogs or... (laughs) Go on. (laughs) (laughs) No matter how I was about to say this sentence, it was going to end up bad. Anyways, my main takeaway, thanks for asking, is um, I think my main takeaway is that every second you're on stage, whether it be a three-minute set or an hour-long set, matters. Don't waste it. Even if you do ads, even if you try to improv, don't waste a minute. Your your time is too important. Um, And that's where I wanted to lead to the third segment. Uh, okay. It was going to be quick is we've been doing this too long. Uh, <laughs> what would you say is one of those wasted things you see new comics do? I, for example, mine is, Hey man, this is a real, this isn't a joke. This really happened. I don't care. Yeah. I heard a 20 minute joke about the a documentary about abbreviating States. And I thought it was real. I don't give a shit if it's real or not. Yeah. There are a lot of those. I'm trying to think of which one bugs me the most i think it's the uh just whenever somebody tries to qualify something like a statement like unless it is a statement that absolutely needs qualifying don't qualify it stick to it if you're going to or don't add any useless information like for i was listening to somebody do a joke and they're like uh so i was in the store with my girlfriend she's blonde by the way and then it never came up again why the fuck do I need to know that she's blonde? Don't you're, you're taking, you're throwing yourself off rhythm in the mm-hmm. story to add a detail that isn't important. No, don't waste. Don't, don't waste my time as an audience member with that crap. Yeah. Don't. And at the end of the day, get to the funny, get to the part that's important and long jokes can exist. You can have a long joke. I don't care, but you can have a joke where every sentence is important. Mm-hmm. You can write a joke where your story is a story. And I think that's what's important. It's just value your own time and write every day and write smarter. And more so than valuing your own time, value the audience's time, especially if you're a comedian who is getting on a lot of shows or performing in a lot of clubs where people are paying, especially if you're in clubs where people are paying a drink minimum. Yeah. Plus the price of admission. And depending on what, club chain you're in or what club you're at probably dinner too this is a full night out for them don't waste their time with your bullshit just have them enjoy the show make them laugh as many times as possible and the best way to do that is to take out bullshit phrases that don't need to be there things that don't add anything to the story quit being so cute and tell the damn joke. Look at your jokes. Go, why am I saying the sentence? Not the punchline. Look at the joke mm-hmm. and go, why am I saying this? Oh, okay. If you can't think of a reason, mm-hmm. it's not important. Or if, if it doesn't add to the ending of it. And if it is a sentence that is just too long that you're like, well, I need this detail. Great. Try to shave it down till you get to that detail. But it is so quick that it doesn't detract like i have a joke right now that i'm currently trying to trim down the front part of it because i do need to give a detail that needs some explaining but i'm currently taking too long i'm taking about 20 seconds to get there i want to get there in about seven ideally so that way he's not i'm not wasting 13 seconds of my set time trying to say words that don't 
need to be there. And people think, well, it's just only 13 seconds. What's the point? It's like, no, the point is sit, go at home, turn your stopwatch on, sit for 13 seconds. Yeah. You're not doing anything. You're looking at a wall. That's what a stand-up show is. You're looking at a wall and that wall is telling you about his blonde girlfriend at the uh, at a grocery store. And it's like, well, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. When the point is that, you know, celery was on sale and you didn't think they'd put produce on sale or whatever dumb joke you told him. <laughs> yeah. Like, just think for a minute. Look yeah. at your stuff. Think of it as if I was listening to it. And then make a good joke. Then go to an open mic, bomb, and then do the joke better next time. And for anybody who's about to criticize saying that, well, then you probably should have made this podcast shorter if you're not talking about you're, wasting words. You're damn right. This is a podcast. This is free. And this is also called running. Shut the, up. This is also called running out, running the light, which is meaning that we're just trying to talk until the light comes up. And I have an editor. <laughs> yeah. The, no, these are, those are all tips for how to run, or for how to write better, not for how to, you know, have a, more successful podcast podcasting and stand up is totally different oh, yeah because nobody gives a nobody gives a shit if you struggle trying to say something and then eventually find the point right and for that uh that is running the light and i hope you have fun uh at your job at working out while doing some traveling i hope we uh, made it better where can people find you what are some plugs just follow me on Twitter at David underscore Kausgard. That's K-O-U-S-G-A-A-R-D. Uh, same thing for Instagram. Uh, depending on when this comes out, I will be at the Comedy Loft the last weekend of July. Uh, Going to be emceeing there Friday, Saturday, and yep. then on Sunday I'm co-headlining with Mark Sibbett. Nice. And then I will be That's at uh, the Omaha Funny Bone August 16th and 17th. Um. That's awesome. I can't wait to see those shows or at least hear about it at Neural Bank. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I am, I'm at red shoes plum on Twitter. Plum with a B at the end. Uh, and Instagram. I, uh, don't use it, but it is Jeremy plum, I believe. And that's, uh, that's pretty much it. You guys, uh, plum Jeremy. Wow. I don't want to use it all, but you guys, seriously, thank you guys. And thank you, David, for choosing an amazing album. Oh yeah. And thank you for having me, dude. This is fun. Thank you.